served with hoorah. You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark, shameful secret. But you're not the only one. Get your hidden financial fears with a blast of sun. Now your healing has begun. It's Bad With Money with Gabby Dunn. Hello and welcome to this week's Bad With Money mailbag episode. I'm Gabby Dunn. Did you check out our earlier episode on equity, equality, and inclusion with author Grace Bonney and activist Daisha Kennedy? Their stories were incredible, informative, and should probably set a precedent. On today's show, we're going to cover Biden's last-minute decision to extend student loan relief. And boy, did he wait until the last minute. Like, we had literally recorded part of this show, and now we have to record again for this update. I'm personally inconvenienced. I'm just kidding. No, this is amazing, actually. And we're going to cover how 10 million children will be affected when the enhanced child tax credit ends. You know, one day these mailbags will be uplifting. No, they are. They're uplifting because of your stories. In the second half of the show, I'm going to read some emails, some Discord comments, and some Apple reviews. We are really trying to catch up on your emails. There have been a lot of them, so I'm going through them as fast as I can. Please don't let that discourage you from sending more. Obviously, I love when you send more. But yeah, we're going to try to get through them all in a timely manner, I promise. First, I want to say welcome to our four new patrons this week at patreon.com slash Gabby Dunn. They are John R., Dahlia, Allison, and Liv. Thank you so much for being patrons. On our Patreon, you can get extra clips from Bad With Money as well as essays by me, Gabby Dunn, and sometimes live Q&As, but mostly a lot of essays and behind-the-scenes Bad With Money content. So, okay, guys, Biden promised some stuff when he was running for president. I know. Can you believe it? A man promised some things whilst running that he then did not follow through on. Uh, uh, Huge, if true. So he said that he was going to work on forgiving all student loans. I mean, he made a lot of promises with regards to student loans. Then COVID hit and there was this temporary student loan relief and everyone was like, hey, why don't you just either extend it or make it permanent? Literally 40 million student loan borrowers are impacted by student loans. How about we wipe that out? And I know that that's a controversial topic to some people, but I am of the opinion that it would be helpful. Now, the thing is, is that people love to be cynical and say, oh, well, but it will affect the industries, blah, 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 blah. I don't care. I like people. So up until Tuesday, Biden had led us all to believe that the student loan relief would be coming to an end on February 21st, 2022. You can read all about it in this article by Zach Friedman on Forbes. I will link to it in the description. And as of Wednesday, this changed. I will put a link to the CNN article that everyone was linking me to because we talk about student loans on this show so much. But yeah, basically Biden changed his mind and we are going to have a pause on student loan repayments through May 1st. Yay! Now cancel them forever. (laughs) The next thing I wanted to talk about is that 10 million children will fall back into poverty when the enhanced child tax credit ends. I'm not going to say what news network I got this article from because I hate them and they are my enemy. But if you know who my enemy is, you can guess. And it's not Fox News, although they are an enemy in general, but not an enemy that has done anything specific to me. This place is a personal nemesis. So basically, there was going to be an enhanced child tax credit and they were going to extend it. 
That means that 27 million people will lose all or part of the credit, roughly half of them being black and Latino children and children in rural areas. All 65 million kids that are eligible for the credit will get less in the new year. Why? I don't know. I guess families are going to be able to claim the regular child tax credit for 2022 taxes. I don't know that much about this, actually. If you've been receiving this credit, I would love to hear from you. It does just seem kind of wild that the government is fine with 10 million children falling back into poverty. Although, is it really wild? You know, every day on this show, I go, wow, how could this happen? And every day, the answer is capitalism. I'm in a friggin' mood today, guys. <laughs> After the break, let's read some of your emails so I can feel better. Okay, now we're going to read some of your emails and Discord comments and reviews of the show. So this is an email from Elizabeth, and it says, Hi, Gabby. Big fan of the podcast. It helped me get through cleaning every Saturday. Sorry I don't listen the day it drops. I hope the same week is okay. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, look, could it be better? Sure. I'm not going to lie to you, Liz. I wanted to write in because I feel like a lot of the coverage of the factory tornado deaths recently is missing the point. Yes, in our last mailbag episode, we talked about the tornado deaths at the Amazon factory. So Elizabeth continues, most of the headlines are about how workers weren't allowed to leave as the tornado approached and which is heartbreaking, goes with the narrative of Amazon being bad and Bezos being a monster. And most people can relate to wanting to be with their loved ones when things go bad. I grew up in North Texas, the south part of Tornado Alley, and it was drilled into my head that being on the road was one of the most dangerous places you could be in a tornado. I even had a children's book that described that if you saw a tornado while you were in your car, you needed to pull over, find a ditch to lie in, and essentially pray the tornado and debris didn't come near you. I think allowing a whole factory of workers to leave once a tornado had been spotted in the area would have been putting them in grave danger. The bigger question is why didn't a large factory in an area known to have tornadoes have enough tornado shelters in place for the staff? Why don't we have a national building code that accounts for tornadoes if they will become more common and stronger with climate change? I feel like going on about how Bezos is heartless is distracting from the fact that codes need to change so that workers in the Midwest have tornado shelters and buildings built to withstand the winds and debris. This is a known issue with warehouses and would be more expensive to everyone than the bad press Bezos will get being called heartless. There should have been tornado shelters, the warehouse should have been built better, and workers should have been given a safe place to shelter during the storm off the roads. This should apply to all warehouses in the Midwest. I wonder if they even had tornado drills or any tornado safety meetings, like the annual fire drill or sexual harassment training. Liz. Yep, building codes, big time. And treating the workers like human beings and making sure they are safe, big time. Okay, this is an email from Katie, and it says, Hey Gabby, I love the convo about fast fashion this week. In your intro, you mentioned claims that the rise of thrifting popularity depletes thrift stores and makes it harder for low-income folks to shop. I had a couple thoughts. I've heard some debunkings of these claims, some from queer sustainability YouTuber Shell Bisley. You should interview her, by the way. Her capitalism rants fuel me. Shell Bisley. Okay, I'll look her up. But I'm also involved in the reselling community, at least on the fringes. I like clothes, but I live in a small apartment and I don't like having too much excess stuff. So I started reselling my personal clothes on Poshmark a few years ago. Somehow I've sold hundreds of things and made a few thousand dollars doing this. On rare occasions, I'll buy something in a thrift store specifically to resell, but I in no way resell to make an income. 
I think of it more like offsetting the cost of getting new clothes. I probably recoup half of what I spend on a year on wearables by reselling, which is pretty great, I think. It allows me to buy good quality items, get my use out of them, and then pass them on to someone else when my style changes or COVID weight gain happens. Sigh. We don't know. We don't weight shame here. Nope, nope, nope. Anyway, that's just me, Gabby talking. Anyway, back to Katie. I'm pretty active on Poshmark, and I also watch a lot of reseller content on YouTube, as well as a lot of cleaning content and closet declutters. What I hear most said from the minimalism slash declutter side is thrift stores have too much inventory and they're throwing things away, which frankly, I don't know if that's true at all, but I hear it said constantly. And then on the reseller side, I see tons of people truly trying to make a living by spending time and physical effort to go to warehouses of secondhand goods, dig and sweat to find things that they clean, photograph, and list. It's a lot of work, and I truly think resellers are at least getting more items back into use and doing more good than harm. Also, I think resellers help with accessibility. If you're someone not physically capable of spending hours of labor thrift shopping, paying for that service by shopping online from resellers makes sense. People easily dismiss resellers and say they're raising prices, but they're selling a service as well as an item. But if you're just an average shopper who wants to find the good stuff for cheap in a thrift store, yeah, maybe you're going to have more competition. But also, if you've ever watched a video of someone shopping at the Goodwill bins outlet, you start to realize the huge mind-boggling amount of stuff in the world. There's just way too much produced. There's warehouses and warehouses across this country full of secondhand clothes, so much that we ship it to other countries where it ruins their environments. Sigh. This is so long-winded, but I just wanted to share some thoughts and defend resellers to some degree. At the end of the day, buying secondhand is always better than buying new. That was a really good email, actually. Thank you so much for that. This is an email from Bay, pronouns they, them. Hi, Gabby. New listener here. I started tuning into the pod recently when my partner, who's been getting more interested in investing over the pandemic, recommended it to me. If you want a cute visual, we are both queer gardeners in San Francisco and listen in while we rake and weed and stuff. Good times, and your theme song is now stuck in my head always. Yes, thank you to Sam Barbera, the singer of our theme song, who crushed it. Okay, back to Bay's email. Anyways, I wanted to write in and thank you for the fast fashion episode. As someone who is deeply unfashionable and wears the same falling apart clothes for years, I've been wondering what the future of fast fashion will be as we hopefully make a transition away from fossil fuels as most of those products are petroleum-based. Clothes are such a powerful personal expression for so many people, I feel like especially in the queer community, just extrapolating here. And I wonder what will happen if an abundance of cheap and trendy clothes stops being available. Your guests had some thoughts I hadn't considered, and I loved it. I want to send you a link to a communist collective my friend interviewed a few years ago whose primary objective is to get people to throw away all their clothes and just wear jumpsuits because they believe personal expression through clothing is inherently capitalist. Oh my God. Wow, this is Gabby's reaction. Oh, this is giving me Heaven's Gate vibes, but maybe not. Okay, back to Bay's email. I don't know if they're making said jumpsuits anymore, but their patterns are downloadable for free and their website is a wild ride. Check out the Make America Rational Again tab especially. It's www.jumpsuit.it. So it spells out jumpsuit. Anyway, thanks for your awesome work and I look forward to more episodes. Cheers, Bay. Oh my God. I love it and I hate it. I, I thanks I hate it. I don't know. I'm going to look at that website. That is something I had never considered and I kind of love it. I don't know. Wow. Okay, this is an email from Jack. Dear Gabby, I hope you're well. I really enjoy the show and have recommended it a lot. I wanted to suggest that you do a show about Mackenzie Scott and maybe even get Mackenzie Scott on the podcast. 
She is giving her personal fortune away miles faster than any other extremely rich person. Maybe any other extremely rich person ever. I think this is interesting. She wrote something about her giving away yesterday. And then there's a link, which I will put in the description. Thanks so much for the awesome show. Take care, Jack. Yeah, this is very interesting. It is someone who is legitimately giving away large chunks of her fortune. So I'll put the link in the description. Thank you for pointing that out to me, Jack. I will research more about it. Okay, here are some Apple reviews. Five stars, Dana E019. I listen the day it comes out. Lord Gabby commands and I oblige. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, this Lord Gabby thing is really, uh, I'm starting to like it, I guess. Okay, five stars from Apple Sucks A dollar sign dollar sign. Great show. This show is wonderful, and I truly feel that your show should be broadcast in our kids' schools. I'm a single mom in her 40s with a seven-year-old daughter. Wow, I did not expect this person with that <laughs> username. Okay, anyway. I'm also below the poverty line living in the Deep South. I make a point to listen in when my kid is around with the hope that your show will instill in her some seriously necessary knowledge from inspiring young women much cooler than her mother. And I enjoy every episode too. Keep it up. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to read two Discord comments and then one more Facebook comment and then I will let you go into your weekend. This is a Discord comment from Kelly about the episode with Jessica Nicole and Elizabeth Klein about fast fashion. You guys had a lot of thoughts on that. This comment says, I really appreciated when Jessica spoke about thin and straight-sized people buying plus-size clothing and how she advised against it. Like, frickin' thank you. I changed the F word to frickin'. It's so damn hard to find clothing in my size and especially at thrift stores. Yes, thank you for that, Jessica. That was really, really, um, that was re a really, really great way to use this platform. This is another Discord comment responding to Kelly. It's from Callalily5056. I agree. I've seen this trend on Depop where people buy XL shirts, cut them into ugly crop tops, and then try to resell them. Infuriates me. And then this is a comment from Ace of Hearts. Thin people really are like, well, actually, I'm helping when I'm buying new plus size clothing because then they'll stock more of that size. And I'm like, the plus size section is already so picked over. It's like hard to find any plus sizes in a store. So, wow, everyone had so many different opinions about reselling and everybody made great points, but th this was a polarizing episode for sure. Also, you guys, in the comments on my Instagram, at Gabby Road, in the comments when I posted about this episode, people were popping off at each other. Okay, one final thing I'm going to read. It's from the Facebook group, which I will link to in the description of this episode. It's a comment from Mark Goldman, and it's talking about our Elizabeth Warren episode that we did from a while ago. Another thing I would have liked to have seen presented is how we could prevent this problem from just infecting the next generation. Canceling student debt only touches on fixing the symptom of a larger system. Oh, this comment is really relevant given what we talked about in our news section. Okay, Mark continues. What role should Emerson and Harvard, where Senator Warren taught, have in the canceling of debt and preventing this problem going forward? Should schools with endowments that leave students with debt have to pay from their endowment for the cancellation of debt? Oh, that's a very interesting idea, actually. Okay, back to Mark. Honestly, I don't know what the best solution is, so maybe you can have another episode on identifying and eliminating the systemic causes of the student debt problem. Yes, school being too expensive is part of the problem. Well, thank you so much for writing in and for everybody's comments. Please leave an Apple review of five stars. It really helps us. I promise if we did not get to your email, we will get to it next time. 
But I would love to hear your thoughts, opinions, and stories on the topics we discussed today. Be sure to send me an email at gabbyisbadwithmoney at gmail.com or leave me a voicemail at 844-474-4040. You can also email me a voice memo if you prefer. Be on the lookout for next week's episode all about couples and money with relationship expert Damona Hoffman and author of The 8080 Marriage, Kaylee Klemp. We're going to get into marriage here on this show, if you can believe. And don't forget to listen to the show the day it drops so that we can get on the charts and spread the word. So says Lord Gabby. Thanks. Bye. Done.